2: Welcome to a special edition of the Pro Wrestling Index. My usual co-host, Pro Chandra, will not be joining us this week, and standing in his place is the guest co-host this week on the show. You may have heard him in the past. He is the Entertainment World Champion, Brad Gilmore,
1: Young Bradley. I am here. How you doing? I'm I'm here. I'm doing great. I'm feeling great. You're here. Um, I'm 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 be honest with you. I'm a little upset. Why? A little upset that, that Sir Mo isn't here. Well, as am I. You know, I'm upset because, you know, Mo and I got into it this week on Twitter. Yeah. It got a little heated. Yeah. And I would have loved the forum to openly debate him and, and, and talk about why his opinion doesn't matter and why his viewpoint is the incorrect one. But it's going to be hard. To try to lay out my facts, because it's going to seem like an attack, and I don't want to feel like an attack. Well,
2: then why don't you wait until Mo is back on the show, and then the two of you, and and you will be invited back on the broadcast as well, and then the two of you can hash this out.
1: Me and hypocrite Mo. <laughs> you you and Mo. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just saying it was over the Helwani stuff. I'm sure people on uh on on Twitter saw it. Some of the listeners of the show have been tweeting me of this show, the Index. Have been tweeting me what other people have been saying about the Helwani situation. I know we talked about it on our podcast, and it's not really wrestling yeah. related, but I well, just... in
2: a way, it kind of is wrestling related when you compare it to other wrestling journalists who have also been paid by WWE for their work. Um, you know, it, it's it's similar. If you're going to to compare one, you have to compare them all. So yeah, and if you treat one one way, you got to treat them all that way. That's all I was saying. Well, that's the way that I look at it. I mean, if 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 there, you're going to be consistent about it, but um, you know, well, once once Mo returns, the two of you can can sit down and in a gentlemanly fashion hash this out. Gentlemanly?
1: yeah. I'm an American. Damn it,
2: <laughs> I'm not a gentleman. No, no, yeah. I would love the opportunity. Okay, great. Well, listen, um, we're going to do things a little bit differently this week on the show. Normally, you know, we review Raw and. We we kind of break down these matches and go through each show and all that. I thought we'd do something a little bit different because uh, we're going to have some guest hosts over the next few weeks. Uh, guest co-hosts with me. And um, so I thought what we would do is we touch on a couple of issues in the news and then get to your Twitter questions. So it's going to be a little bit lighter than usual, but um, this will also help break things up a little bit, and I think it might be fun. So... Uh, why don't we get started with uh, three items in the news, and the first one being Bret Hart's criticisms of Seth Rollins. Now, I got a chance yesterday to listen to the Seth Rollins interview on uh, Chris Jericho's podcast. And, uh, by the way, I would highly suggest it and recommend it if you haven't heard it yet. Go check it out. Uh, it's a great interview. And, again, I mean, this is the, the second time now that Seth Rollins is being painted in a very positive light. Of course, the the documentary of his his recovery, and his return on the network as well. Um, so he, Seth Rollins is a really good guy. And uh, you, you you when you hear Seth Rollins in this interview or you see him in the documentary, you want to root for Seth Rollins. You want Seth Rollins to be successful and and to have a successful comeback, and, and I'm sure he will. Um, but there's a lot of great tidbits in there. And one of the things that uh, Seth Rollins said in the interview with Chris Jericho is that his feelings were hurt by some of the criticisms that Bret Hart had for Seth Rollins especially while he was out injured, talking about Seth Rollins not being safe in the ring. Well, yesterday, Bret Hart doubled down on his Seth Rollins criticisms by saying that it's meant to make him think. I want to read this to you and then get your reaction. Hart said, I'm a really big fan of Seth's. I think he's one of the best young wrestlers in the world today. That's why I think I made such a strong criticism. It's meant to make him think. It's not a personal attack. It's a professional criticism of his work a few months ago. I think there's a little bit of an onus here not to own up to what he did. You can watch it back. I watched it back just a minute ago. He clearly knees John Cena as hard as he can in the face. It's not John Cena's fault. If you watch it, it's not John Cena leaning in. It's Seth Rollins pulling his head down and kneeing him as hard as he can in the face. It's bullshit. <laughs> Everything I said is true. If he's got hurt feelings, well, it's better to have hurt feelings than a broken, shattered Oh, man. (laughs) My whole gripe with this kind of stuff is that you can't get injured. The wrestler can't afford getting hurt. There's a huge onus on the two wrestlers protecting each other at all costs. If you can't protect the guy you're working with, if you can't be more careful than that, then you need to go back to the drawing board. It's a good criticism. Oof. End quote. So there you go. That's Bret Hart on Seth Rollins. You know, Bret's a little bitter from time to time. I think that just goes without y- saying. A y- y- little bit. <laughs> Slightly. What's your reaction to all this? I mean, and Bret Hart singling out Seth Rollins. And, of course, the Sting incident as well. So some people could
1: argue where there's smoke, there's fire. What do you say about this? Uh, I think I think it just happened to be a series of unfortunate events uh, with Seth Rollins. And, 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 and the, here's, here's my stance on Bret Hart. Bret Hart obviously – is a guy who took pride in, in, in not hurting people in the ring, took pride in his technical ability. Uh, but when you talk about technical ability in wrestling today, I think Seth Rollins is, is in top two or three guys who are wrestling right now. And that is not only WWE, that's Japan, that's ROH, that's uh, TN what? TNA. Um, I think that's just any, anywhere in the world, Seth Rollins is, is a top three guy when it comes to the technical aspect of wrestling. So I think the Cena thing, Seth clearly said in his, in, on his side of events that Cena has a tendency to lean in a little bit, and it seemed like Jericho agreed with him. Like, yeah, that's what John does when he's not, you know, you, you know, when he doesn't know what's coming. And uh, I think that's what happened. And it just so happened that Seth really broke his nose, like really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And as far as the Sting thing goes, Sting was the one who called for the buckle bombs. Should have, should Seth have said, you know what? Here's a 50 plus year, 55, 56-year-old man taking two buckle bombs. I know these hurt guys my age. Maybe I shouldn't do these. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could you could make that argument. But at the same time, if you're in there with a world champion like Sting and he says, D- do this now, <laughs> you're going to kind of follow what he has to say uh, I think nine times out of ten. So I think it was just a series of, misun- uh, of unfortunate events with Seth Rollins and the injuries that he may have caused in the ring. But Bret Hart's stance on it I, I do believe is too harsh. I believe it was w- way too harsh. Brett, I mean... Do
2: you know another thing that Brett said, which I thought was was funny? Jericho brought this up on his podcast. Uh, he said that once Brett accused Jericho of reading the Gettysburg Address while working matches, as if he was calling oh, yeah. his spot Spots. so loudly the whole match that he was reading the Gettysburg Address. <laughs> I mean, what's the point of that? I mean, like honestly, what's the point of, of taking these shots where it's like, well... I realize that Bret Hart kind of comes from the old school. He doesn't kind of come from the old school. He does come from the old school. Comes but from... But I mean, you know, how how often do you need to do this? And and what's the point is is Bret really trying to positively affect the WWE and and its future stars
1: or is this just Bret's way of remaining relevant? Uh I mean, I think I think this is Bret Hart giving his personal opinion and 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 honestly, I think you can tell from what he says all the time. He doesn't care if it's popular or not. He really doesn't care what anyone has to say. I think Bret Hart doesn't care about a single person's feelings in the world. <laughs> I really don't. I don't think he cares and I don't think he's ever gonna care. And first, you know, a small part of me I mean appreciates and respects that from Bret Hart, but at, but at the same time, I just feel that when you're when you're in a in, when you're in professional wrestling and you're around people all the time, and, and you have family who still works in the business, and and all these people work. You know how hard they work, especially a guy like Seth Rollins being on top at the time, working every main event, working every house show, mm-hmm. busting his ass. You should say, you know what? Accidents happen. I should be more understanding of that. Just because an accident never happened on my side of things, which I'm sure there had to be some time where Brett hit somebody a little too hard because Brett was throwing those punches, man. There's got to be a time where he potatoes a, a guy or two. You know what I mean? He should exercise a little understanding and be like, all right, I'm going to let you slide on this one.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I – I, come on. I, I agree 100%. I mean what what happened between Seth Rollins and, and John Cena seemed kind of like a, a freak accident if, if nothing else. Now, Seth Rollins said um, – and I guess this is where maybe Brett or, or even John Cena for that matter could take umbrage with this – said that, you know, well, sometimes John Cena is a little clumsy. I mean – uh, a little clumsy in the ring. He said that on on, on Jericho's mm-hmm. podcast. So I don't know how much truth there is to that or not. And I think that you do have to take responsibility for the fuck-up. Uh, but at the same time, does that mean that Seth Rollins overwhelmingly is unsafe in the ring? I don't think so at all. I mean, I think accidents happen in there. It's an extremely dangerous way to make a living. And um, listen, if it's going to happen to anybody, it might as well happen to Cena since he's a mutant. I mean, yeah. he heals faster than anybody else. Anyway,
1: yeah, he he's essentially the Wolverine of WWE. I mean, do you
2: remember when he had that softball growing out of his elbow?
1: Yeah, and, and they and, said it's like eight months for it to recover, and he came back in like two. Yeah, or when he had like in Jericho, actually, I think told a pod, told it on that podcast. He was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, he the next surgery. surgery," and he was yeah. at Raw that night. Yeah, and Jericho said
2: to him, "He's like, what are you uh, what are you doing here?" And and, and Cena goes. What do you mean?
1: <laughs> Why wouldn't I be here? It's the show. You yeah. yeah. Well, you just had next. I know. What do, you, what do you mean? So I think I think it's I think I, I honestly personally think it's it's a little harsh on Brett. And I think it's him overreacting just, just a little bit. Yeah. Um,
2: OK. Uh, NXT Takeover. The end took place this past Wednesday on the WWE. The World. end. I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet or not, but um, I watched the show. Uh, I really enjoyed the show a lot. And the main event of the show featured Samoa Joe and Finn Balor for the NXT Championship inside a steel cage. Uh, Samoa Joe was victorious, and it seems as if Finn Balor is finally going to move up to the main roster. And, of course, we have the uh, the brand split coming and SmackDown Live coming in, uh, about a month from now. So the question really isn't whether or not Finn Balor is headed to the main roster. The question is, when will Finn Balor arrive and how will WWE use him? So a question that I've been getting a lot uh, and a question I'd like to discuss here is how should WWE use Finn Balor as they move him up to the main roster? So uh, in your opinion, if you had the book, if you had the opportunity to um, creatively uh, pencil in Samoa Joe on Raw or SmackDown, or I'm sorry, not Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, where would you put Finn Balor and how would you utilize him? Uh, heading into this brand split.
1: You know, I think the conventional wisdom is that Finn Balor is going to pop up on SmackDown. Um, but I'm going the other way with this. If if there's going to be a, a, a brand split and there's going to be a, a roster differentiation. Oh, nice. Uh, you like that one? <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> I think the move to make would to feature Finn Balor most prominently on Monday Night Raw. And I'll tell you why. Because if he's on SmackDown and the rumors are true and he's going to be on SmackDown with, like, Cena and AJ and whomever else, right? I think just Cena and AJ, that's already – he's going to be de facto number three, and there's nothing he can do about it, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing he can do about it. But if he's on Monday Night Raw and he's there with, let's say, Roman and Seth, I think he could get up to a level to where he is either as popular or more popular than both of those guys. Wow. Uh, in my personal opinion, he has more room to grow on a Monday Night Raw that features Seth and Roman as the top two than he does on SmackDown with John Cena and AJ Styles as the top two. Now, if he's drafted to Raw, I don't. I just don't – here's the thing. I'm, I'm kind of – it's kind of a weird place to have the draft is in July, mid-July because you have SummerSlam coming up. I would think you'd want to do a roster – differentiation after after SummerSlam that way it's your second biggest show of the year you can put a bow on everything that you've been building toward and then you can the next night or all the very next night you can have the draft I think that's the best way to go um and maybe maybe there there will be a draft after Smackdown goes live maybe they're like okay we're gonna have live for a little bit maybe that's going to continue the story of who's gonna who's gonna run smackdown you know that's
2: interesting because they haven't confirmed when the draft is going to take place the only thing they've confirmed is that a brand split is going to happen and that smackdown's going live in july yeah that's the
1: only thing they've confirmed so so we've all assumed this Oh, the draft's got to come before the, the, they go right. live but what if it doesn't what if it doesn't go live? And what if what if it doesn't happen when it goes live? What if it happens after SummerSlam? Mm-hmm. I think that would be the best place for it. Now, are they going to do that? Who knows? But if they do it after SummerSlam, you can have the time to cap Roman and Seth. You can have the time to cap AJ and Cena. You can have all the time in the world to really bring all your storylines together and and put a bow on them, mm-hmm. bring an end to them, and then the next night on Raw draft, and that's where everything gets shaken up, you know. Um, but I think. Finn Balor, babyface Finn Balor, as a as a part of the Raw roster, mixing it up, and he's here's the thing, he's got a debut as a main eventer.
2: I agree, and and I, and one of the biggest reasons why is because Finn Balor is going to turn 35 years of age at the end of next month. So you know we we just spent the last 15 minutes talking about Seth Rollins. Well, Seth Rollins just turned 30, and um, you know for most professional athletes that's kind of late in your career. Now for professional wrestlers, I mean, you know, we've talked about guys like Goldberg potentially coming back at 49, okay? So, professional wrestlers a little bit later, you get a little bit more time. But 35 is not that young. So, if you're going to hit it with with Finn Bálor, you've got to do it now. It has to happen now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so. got it's got to be pretty quick. But you know, but then again, AJ's what, almost 40, right? any like 39? Yeah,
2: 38 or 39. 38 yeah. 39. Yeah.
1: Um so but like the if you follow but, the I mean path, most of
2: us just expect AJ to have maybe 3 years.
1: Yeah. You know, well, I mean that and that'd be fine though. I mean, but I think AJ could probably go for another, you know, 6 or 7. But if you're going to bring Finn in, you got to follow the AJ Styles model. When AJ debuted number whatever at the Royal Rumble, it was big mm-hmm. and he felt like a big deal as soon as he came in. Even to the people who didn't know who AJ was at the time. And then the way they continued to put him in, in positions that made him feel special. Made him feel like a big deal. The very next night, working Raw with Jericho. Working Mania with Jericho. Then now he worked two main events with Roman. They, you've, and now he's going with Cena. You've got to give him a similar push. Finn Balor being him. And make him feel special. Because with a brand split, with a brand roster, Differentiation. You need more guys who feel special and feel like they belong at the main event. So if you're going to squander him for six months in a mid-card feud, I don't think that's the right way to go about it.
2: No, I don't think so either. Um, if you had the opportunity, though, I mean, who would you put him with? Who, who would who would he work with in a program coming in? Because it has got to be somebody that's willing to give him that rub, and there's got to be some sort of star power or appeal there.
1: Yeah, heel Roman. Roman's going heel at SummerSlam. I'm I
2: telling you, I don't, I do see it happening. You. He's got to. What what indicates to you that WWE is finally going to pull the trigger on that? Because I have zero confidence well, that's going to well happen.
1: Well, we talked about we talked about Seth, right? Right. Seth is going to be a babyface soon, just based on the his his catchphrase. It wasn't only the name of his documentary; it's his catchphrase now. It's on his T-shirts. It's on the Titantron redesign, rebuild, reclaim. It's the most babyface thing I've ever heard in my life. That's more babyface than never give up. It really is. Rebuild, redesign, reclaim. And he's got to – if we're going to give him any merit as a man, as an athlete, and I'm talking about his character, he's got to fulfill that promise. The only way you can fulfill that promise is by winning the title and – you're not going to have that phrase if you're going to be a long run heel. WWE has been so
2: insistent upon presenting Roman Reigns in the image that they that they want and that they have drawn out for him, and 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 that image is that he's the baby face, he's the guy, and that's not going to change. So if they pull the trigger on this at Summerslam, let's say that you're correct and that there's a double turn that occurs, and that um, and we're assuming that. Seth and Roman are going to wrestle again. Yeah, uh, yeah This is we're assumption. making this assumption, but let's assume it does happen, and the double turn occurs. Is that WWE indicating to you that they've given up on Roman?
1: No, not at all.
2: Then It'd why would they be, be so? Per- then why would they be so persistent in trying to present him as a babyface, even though he's been receiving these negative reactions now for well over a year?
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've talked. I've talked to you about this before. I guess not on this show. Is that? There's a thing called uh, it's a slow burn. It's a slow burn, man. I mean it really it's storytelling 101 if If you're going to see um you know, I'm trying to think of a movie, if you're going to go see the new Batman movie, right, and Batman is is going after the Joker, and Batman kills the Joker in the first ten minutes of the movie, you're going to be kind of disappointed, right? you will be like, this is a two and a half hour movie, and he already killed the Joker. What the hell am I here for? But what you're doing is, though, you're saying you're,
2: you're operating under the assumption that WWE has had this plan all along to turn Roman. I'm not I, saying I just don't that they've believe had, that's not, the not No, case. I'm
1: not operating under the assumption. I'm saying that um, much like Daniel Bryan, after a while, they were like, okay, you know what? Like, they keep cheering him. No matter what we do, they keep cheering him. No matter how many times we put him in a main event and he loses, they keep cheering the guy. We're getting close to mania. We've got to make. We've got to. We've got to give them what they want. And 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 that's the thing. People say WWE didn't give their fans what they want. If they didn't, Daniel Bryan would have never main evented WrestleMania, right? That would have never happened. So I think WWE does give the fans what they want, but they have. To, sometimes there's an awakening that has to occur, and um, Roman is very different from John Cena. He's a he's a much different different case. How so? How so? I mean, how is he not? Uh, Roman came out. Of, uh, it came out of the biggest group in the last five, ten years in that company, right? The mm-hmm. Shield. The most popular thing they had on their show from 2012, 2013, and 2014. That was the most po- – I don't care what anyone says. The Shield most popular thing, right? And the one guy who was cheered more than anybody within the Shield was Roman Reigns, right? And um, even when he when, – when the Shield broke away and they started pushing Roman, Roman was getting these massive cheers, I recall distinctly a fatal four-way. I think it was with Roman, whoever the champ was, Cena, and like Randy Orton. It was something like that. It was like a TLC or something. And the whole crowd the whole time was so behind everything Roman Reigns did, right? And then they felt like he was getting the push, and that's when they turned on him. Um, But the the biggest difference between John Cena and Roman Reigns is John Cena has charisma out of the ass. And I don't believe Roman Reigns has a microphone. Well, I'm talking. Mo- Mo- Roman Reigns doesn't have that, right? So he can't get the fans behind him on the microphone, right? Mm-hmm. In, in my opinion, like John Cena can't. We saw John Cena last Monday on Raw get the fans behind him when he's in a promo with AJ Styles. <laughs> so I think I think that's their biggest difference. So what I'm saying is. They're two different cases because they're two different performers and they're being booked two different ways. And, I mean, they're just – they're actually so different. The only thing that they have in common is for a period they're supposed to be a babyface and they've been booed. So, I mean, you could compare Roman to Lex Luger or you could compare Roman to Hulk Hogan, but it's all different cases. A lot
2: of people have made that that, that Roman to Lex Luger comparison, and I I can see it. Um, But for me – I think the biggest reason why he's been rejected by the fans isn't because of the case of he's not like Cena. I think the biggest reason is because of a lack of authenticity. Uh, When I first saw Roman Reigns, it was back in FCW. And back then, he was a heel. And he was smug. And he was kind of a prick. And it fit. You know, It, it felt authentic. And his promos weren't half bad. Actually, they were pretty good. And that to me is the place that Roman that Roman naturally fits into. It's authentic, and if you remember when he was the leader of the Shield, well, you know some people argue well, it was Seth because he was the architect, but he was really the front guy for the Shield. He was. Um, well, they actually like all they were a, they were a heel group for, for for the for the longest period of their run. They were a heel group, mm-hmm. and it just fit because Roman was just you know what I'm going to go out there. I'm a badass. I'm going to fuck somebody up. This is my character. This is who I am. And then all of a sudden that guy became this, I don't want to say teddy bear, but what I will say is that he's this big brooding force who is being booed non-stop by the crowd and we are supposed to believe that that doesn't affect him that that doesn't faze him he's a human being of course being booed should should bother him and i think that's that's part of it is that the fans don't feel a connection to this guy because they're telling him how they feel and he's not reacting to that and that's where the lack of authenticity comes in and that's where there's a breakdown in that connection i think Seth Rollins on the other hand especially during his first heel run had a great connection with the crowd because he was a smug, cocky prick. And he told the fans exactly where he wanted them to go whenever they booed him. And that's what you wanted. You wanted that reaction. And so, um, you know, and much in how Seth Rollins was criticized for for not being able to build heat, even though I think that's an unfair criticism, I think you could criticize Roman Reigns for not being able to build and establish his character as a babyface. And I think a lot of the reason why is because of a lack of authenticity.
1: Uh, you know, I... I, I I just don't agree. The reason Roman Reigns is getting booed is because from the jump why he was getting booed was because the fans, and they've done this a zillion times, the fans saw this guy. They're like, we like this guy. We do. We like this guy. But we see that the powers that be really like this guy. So we don't want him to be the guy yet. We're going to reject him if he gets into that spot. Because we want to make him. They, I mean, that's the only reason they're booing him is because they, being the fan base, wanted – they like to make their own guys. They like to feel a part of making the, their own guys. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason John Cena was booed for a long period of time. And now I think he's more – it's more in his favor than it has been in the past. But Agreed. Um, I think it's way more in his favor. I think it's like maybe like 80-20. On some nights, 90-10. But um, I think they saw – they saw – just like they saw at the Rock, just like they saw with Cena, just like they saw with uh, so many people, is that when he started to get pushed, they're like, "We don't like this because it's not our choice right now, so we're going to reject him." And he's never been able to get over that rejection. I don't think it has anything to do with the way he's been booked. Because I mean, if you looked at it, the guys had great matches in every main event he's been in. And 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 I don't want to hear the I don't want to hear the horseshit argument of, "Well, he's just been in there with with guys who can make him look good." Because that's unfair for Roman. Because Roman Reigns, as a wrestler, if you don't think Roman Reigns is a good wrestler, I just don't think you know what professional wrestling is. The guy's a great wrestler. The guy has great matches. The guy has had great matches since his push began. The guy has had great matches since he was in the Shield.
2: I mean, I I, I remember going back to, um, I don't exactly remember if it was at the end of last year or the beginning of this year when he had that Hell in a Cell match with Bray Wyatt. Mm -hmm. Now, this is before his title run even began, Mm -hmm. and I said
1: then that was a match of the year candidate. He's great. I mean, go back to Fastlane two years ago with Daniel Bryan. They tore the house down, and people are going to say, well, that that was Daniel Bryan carrying him. Well, here's the thing. If I went to wrestle Daniel Bryan right now, we're not going to have a good match. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel Bryan can do everything he wants to. AJ Styles can do everything he wants to. I'm not going to have a good match with him, right? It, it 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 takes a dance, and here's the thing: it's like Dancing with the Stars, right? Have you ever seen Dancing with the Stars, uh, it's more of a, a show for you than it is for me. But I've well, seen I've, it. I've, I've, I I I have I don't watch it, but I've seen a couple of episodes, <laughs> and uh, and the thing is, there's some, you know, there's some dancers on that show that are fantastic, and they get paired with a a partner who you know like uh, Gary Busey or whomever who can't <laughs> Gary Busey. <laughs> I'm just I don't know. I'm just using it as an example. He was the first guy that popped in my mind, Gary Busey, who Mr. Can't, T was. Mr. T
2: ever on that show? I think
1: Jericho was on the show. Yeah. I know that Stacy Keibler. Um, I watched for Stacy anyway. Hancock, yes, but Gary Busey can't dance to save his life, right? So you can have the best dance dancer in the world with a guy like Gary Busey. They're not going to have a good dance together. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So Roman Reigns, I has to be a good wrestler to have good matches. Bar none. Period. Point blank. Well, I don't think the crowd's rejecting Roman
2: Reigns because. But mean, there I th- is a criticism out well, there. It's well, like, well, he's, well not a, he's not a worker. You know what? He's, he's not mean, a worker. You know what? I Matt mean,
1: Topolsky. I mean, come on, AJ Styles.
2: You know what? It, it, it's it's like our friend Telly said when we interviewed him on our on our other podcast, uh, the main about, event of podcast uh, about about X Pac. He said uh, X Pac told him once the uh, the fans would complain if you gave him a million dollars because it wasn't in ones. Yeah, you know, and, and and that's the thing is that there's always going to be that group of people out there in the internet wrestling community, the IWC, as it's called. Um, it's incredible. Like they even have their own acronym like WWE. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of like we're always going to complain no matter what happens. Now, I think there are certain things that you could legitimately gripe about. I think the presentation up until this point – of Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns in this feud has definitely left something to be desired. Hasn't been the best. It hasn't been the best, and you can criticize it, and I have criticized it, but I think when you look at the work that AJ Styles and Roman Reigns put together in those two matches, I think both of them are equally responsible or close to, even if, you know, I'll grant you maybe 60% of that matchup was was due to a j styles' work and forty percent Roman if you want to go there or whatever, but I think it's very close that they both brought something to the table and anytime you get two two workers that have contrasting styles and abilities you're going to get a great match too, just like you'd get a great fight in the u f c or in a boxing match for that matter um it, and, and here's the other thing too is that what are we comparing Roman to if we're talking about work because Hulk Hogan was the guy for ten years in WWF, and he was, you know, roughly the same size as Roman is now. Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit bigger. I think, I think considerably bigger. I don't know. Roman's a pretty big
1: guy. Yeah, H- Hogan weighed like three hundred pounds. Well, that was his build weight. Uh, Hogan weighed
2: three hundred pounds. Uh, but my point is, is that he was, and I think it goes up like six seven. Goes up again. His build height. He's big guy. I'm not saying he's not a big guy, but Roman's a big guy too. I'm saying I think they're a lot closer to being the same size than people may give him credit for. Anyway, my point here is this, is that I think it goes without saying that Hogan was extremely limited in what he could do in the ring, but he did, but, but the, the three or four things that he could do, he did extremely well, and he told the story, and I, and I think Roman is considerably more capable than Hogan was in terms of work rate. And Hogan was the guy for ten years. Yeah, so
1: that's my point. H- Hogan, but here's the thing about Hogan: Hogan, Hogan, back, all those guys back then they were they were worker workers. And what I mean by that is Hogan could do a lot more than what he did and what he led on. Well, yeah, if you watch his matches from Japan, surely. Yeah, so he isn't as limited as one might think. But he worked smarter, not harder. It's a good point. I mean, and that's that's my criticism of Hogan. But um, I mean, for me, Roman getting booed only comes from one place and it's because the fans didn't pick him and that's the only reason yeah
2: I, I I I see that but at the same time I think again I think it has a lot to do with a lack of authenticity
1: how is he not authentic though I mean he's being himself
2: he, he's he's not being himself because if he was being himself he would be bothered by the reaction from the crowd he he, he would he wouldn't come out there and say well you know I First of all, there's nothing authentic about repeating the same line week in and week out. Of I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. It's, uh, okay. N- it, okay, it's, now, it's outrageous. Now, no. Tell, uh, explain to me how that's authentic.
1: What What's you... authentic about that? It's ridiculous. So, so okay, so so every wrestler in the history of the world is ridiculous. Everyone has a catchphrase. Are you, are, I mean, are you that? If, if that's his catchphrase, it's awful. It's his ca- it can be an awful catchphrase. Doesn't mean he's inauthentic. Doesn't mean he's inauthentic if he has a bad catchphrase. I mean, is, is Jericho inauthentic because he says, you stupid idiot every time? It, is Cena inauthentic because well, he you says do, you can't – I'm not what, presenting what, you a false choice because I know that's what you're saying. Well, no, say. because that's what you're doing what you're here because say. you're saying that – No, that, that's, that's, that's his
2: catchphrase. That, that's his catchphrase. No, no that's – if you've anointed it as his catchphrase.
1: That is his catchphrase. That's not his catchphrase. Yeah, he has two catchphrases. And what's his that other – That and believe that. That's that's his catchphrase. That's two, been his catchphrase. He has two catchphrases. But that's
2: not the only reason why Roman Reigns is not authentic. I know, but that's what you're I, I've, I've laid out. No, it's not what I've said.
1: If you listen to the last ten minutes of what I was saying, no, Matt, I laid it all out Matt, then. But you just said just now. There's nothing authentic about someone who repeats the same line. That's what you said, correct? Well, and that, it, it, explain to me what's authentic about that. It,
2: it's it's how he feels. It's how he feels. That's, that's not authentic. We see as fans, we're not most fans, and wrestling fans in general. They're very perceptive people. They're not stupid. They can tell when they're being fed bullshit, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's it's like it's like when Use you listen. Thing, it's like though. when you listen. Hold on a minute. Let me let me illustrate my point. It's like when you listen to the commentary on the show, and you hear JBL say things like, "Listen to the reaction for Roman Reigns." What reaction? The boos. To because a, because a minute. Hold on a minute with that, and then a minute later they talk about, oh how well. Steve Roman Reigns is. What are you talking about? Are you in the same building as everybody else who's booing him? I mean, it and that's and that's the part about it is that the, the the reactions are manipulated, especially if you listen to Smackdown, which is another thing that makes Smackdown so difficult to watch, which I, you know, I think will be a good thing for the product now that it'll be live, is you can clearly tell that the crowd's been manipulated. You can clearly tell that that's happening because this guy is getting booed off a television on on Live Raw, and then on SmackDown, people have all of a sudden changed their tune. Well, that doesn't happen. That that doesn't happen, not in the real world. And that, again, points to the lack of authenticity. So it's more than just about a a supposed catchphrase. So
1: he's inauthentic because the editors of a television show and the director – Okay, he's inauthentic because the editors of a television show pipe in crowd noise for him and he 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 himself is being inauthentic because other people are saying he's getting a good reaction. The
2: entire I'm talking about the character
1: itself. I'm talking about the entire presentation of Roman Reigns. It doesn't okay, feel so, real. Okay, Oh, okay. Well, I I want to I want to say uh, first first time uh, and and you were one of these people. First time he said that I'm not a good guy, I'm not a bad guy, I'm the guy. The first week he said it, you liked it. I did. You were a fan of it. I was. I but, was a, but, fa- I was a fan of it then, that- but then it's repeated over and over and over okay, again. Okay, so he said it a half dozen or more times, and now he's being inauthentic. It's ridiculous. So, it's so ridiculous. That's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. It made him inauthentic because he said it more than once? It's sold. It's sold. Okay. Okay, that's fine. And so and I'm I i you know I'm not a big fan of, of the commentary style over at the WWE. I don't think anyone really is. Um, but I will say I've heard Roman – I've heard them say – not from JBL. I've, I, I'm sure JBL has said what a reaction because that seems like something he would do. No, he um, said it I've heard. Times. I've heard – and this is not someone I would defend normally, but I've heard Michael Cole say polarizing reaction or uh, this crowd is very vocal about how they feel about our competitors whenever Roman would come out. And polarized I think is I think is fine because he's not universally booed, but it is more booze than cheers in most places. I'll give you that. But um, – and then and thirdly, I will say if I'm running a television show, I'm piping in crowd. Let me ask you – If a, it's pre-taped. Let me, I'm well, doing it. Yeah, I don't that, care. that
2: works for TNA. Let me ask you this. Do you feel that a company manipulating the reactions of their top star who they are attempting to portray as a baby face, do you feel that anything about that at all is authentic? Do I feel that it is authentic that WWE puts in crowd noise for Roman? We're talking specifically about Roman Reigns right now. Do you feel like their portrayal of a man who is almost universally booed on television and has been for about a year, them portraying him as, o- a, as, as a baby face
1: is authentic? Okay, let me just understand. You're saying, do I think WWE's presenting him in authentic light yeah. to whom he actually is? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, because I don't know Roman. I don't know. What I'm saying is the hate that he gets is unwarranted. I think he's being as much of himself as maybe he's allowed to be, and he's doing the best job that he can in the role that he's been given. Just like we talked about on our other show with John Cena, John Cena I'm sure has wanted to be a heel several times, and and WWE's just like, we don't want you to be. Well, listen, when, when I'm critical of Roman – i i'm
2: I'm more critical of the presentation of roman i'm not i mean it's it's just like I said about Seth Rollins before and the heated conversations that you and I and other people have had about Rollins during his last run. It's not about Rollins specifically; it's about the way Rollins is booked and presented. I think if w w e said to Roman, We're going to turn you heel, Roman would jump at the opportunity. He would jump at that because I think much like any other human being put in that position. They would get tired of being booed, and they would want to react to it naturally because it's a natural, authentic thing
1: for you to do. And I think that's that's where it, there's a lack it, of connection. Is it authentic when John Cena gets booed and he and he reacts to it in the way he does? He when he says he goes look, and he holds the mic up, right? He says, he goes, "Go ahead." Well, here's
2: the thing about John Cena, though, is that John Cena has been presented quite a bit as a cartoon character, and there have been many times where people have, have felt like this is ridiculous. But at the same time, John Cena, as you pointed out earlier in this conversation, has, has a, a, a greater skill set and, and charisma, especially on the microphone, to handle those situations and to spin it in a way that it still feels somewhat real coming out of John Cena's mouth. I don't okay. think the same thing is true right now of Roman Reigns. No, I just but, asked you what you think about Cena. No, it doesn't mean that Roman can't evolve, but mm-hmm. I think Roman, as I stated months ago, needs a heel run first. Well, uh, I think
1: I think that's just the general consensus of pretty much everybody is that he needs a heel run. And uh, that's why I, I think they're going to get – I think he's I think he's going to be heel. He's going to be heel for the years over. He's going to be. Well, we'll see. And you say he's been boot university for a year just in his defense on and off. <laughs> Okay. Oh, because he wasn't—he wasn't cheered every week for about three months when he was having that program with uh Sheamus. Oh my God. Okay. All right. No, yeah. was he? Yes or no? Don't. Oh my God. Was he or was he not? He's Just working. Was he, he, was a, working, he, was working he was working with Sheamus and the McMahons. He was working with Sheamus.
2: He was working with Sheamus. He was working with Sheamus. He was working with You McMahons. brought up Sheamus. Okay. Now you're bringing up the McMahons. No, he was working with both of them. Okay, so you want to you want to argue semantics? He was working like that? with Sheamus. I'm not I'm not arguing semantics. I'm arguing the truth. He was working you, with she, who? She, she, Sheamus. Was hated. Who was the program? Sheamus was
1: hated just as much at that period of time well, as Roman Reigns. And was. Then, then Roman wasn't hated at that period. You, I can go on record, and I can find you going on record, on our show, talking about Romans over. With the crowd. Roman was over for a small period of time after, after, he three beat the,
2: after he beat the hell out of Triple H, and then it tapered off very quickly. But I, for two or three months, he was over. He wasn't over for two or three months. He was over that, for a
1: few weeks
2: no, after he beat the hell out of Triple well, H. That
1: program went from the end of October to the beginning of January. But that doesn't mean he
2: was over for the entire he program. Rose.
1: He was up until the Rumble. All right, well, we'll have to go back and check the tape. Uh, uh, up until the Rumble. Why do you hate Roman Reigns? You do hate him. Why are you such – you toe the line
2: so much for this nonsense. I mean what? you really – like come on, man. You have a guy who is being – to, me, I like it, to me it's so black and white. You have a guy that's being presented as a baby face. The crowd refuses to accept him. So you make a change. You listen to your audience. It's what you should do. I don't understand how some people don't get that. It's so fucking simple. To just – It's I, so I, simple. I, I understand that. It's so simple. I understand. What you're, I don't I hate Roman Reigns. Deal. I you hate the hate presentation of Roman Reigns. I think you hate Roman. I don't Irish. hate Roman Reigns. I hate the presentation of Roman. I hate the president. I hate this entire gimmick that's going on right now where you have a guy like Seth Rollins who receives a hero's welcome when he comes back. The perfect time to make a switch. And Roman Reigns can stand there and say, You're cheering this guy? You're cheering this piece of shit? It's so easy to do. It's simple. It's been done in wrestling forever. But the company refused to do it. And the reason why they refused to do it is because they refused to listen to the audience up until they have no possible other alternative whatsoever, which is the same thing they did with Daniel Bryan. It wasn't like they had this grand plan for Daniel Bryan laid out where they said, we're going to swerve the audience this way and we're going to swerve them that yeah. way. But we've got, that. This plan. That this show. we've got this plan all along for Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. No, they didn't. They didn't have a plan for Daniel Bryan all along. Say they they changed it. At the 11th hour and they did it because they were left with no other choice because the audience wouldn't give them another choice. And again, it's, it's sad that you have to have your own audience almost hijack your show in order for them to get what they want. The show is supposed to be about them. It's not supposed to be about you. And that's the issue. That's my issue. My issue isn't with Roman. I think Roman's a good worker. I think Roman's a good dude. I think Roman has a good look. And I think Roman has a great future as a top guy in WWE. It's his presentation by WWE that I have an issue with. And I think it's very, very easy to spell this out and see how ridiculous it is right now because Seth Rollins is really the true babyface. Roman is really the true heel. Well then, but the issue here is, is that the, the company won't listen to the audience. So instead, what we get is we get this tweener minutiae
1: which exists, which has killed all the heat in this rivalry. Well, let me ask you this then. Yeah. Because I, I, I point out the same thing about Daniel Bryan, point the same exact thing out. But. If the fans are cheering for Seth and they're booing Roman, right, Mm -hmm. in this feud, if Roman would be heel and Seth were to be a face, nothing in theory would change, right? Like Roman would still be getting booed and Seth would be getting cheered, right? What's your point? I'm just asking. Would anything change really? Well, a lot would change. Well, no, I'm just saying in the reactions they're receiving. Because when the because what receiving. you've
2: said in the past when we've talked about this is that it's not
1: heal heat that Romans receiving. Yeah, it's I don't I don't I don't accept this. heat. So yes, it would change. Well, so what, would he be getting genuine? You think if he were go heal, he'd be getting genuine heat? Or let me ask you this: Let me let would no one's ever asked this question mm-hmm. at all? I've never heard anyone ask this question. Is if Roman does go heel at some point, do the fans accept him then? Do the fans even want Roman Reigns at all? Not do they want him as a heel, not they're rejecting him as a babyface. Do they want him at all? Because even if he went heel, would he get would he get booed for being a good heel? Or would he get booed because we still don't like you? That's
2: a good question, uh, and I— I can't answer that because I don't know I, – I, sometimes I don't know what the IWC wants. I just so know if, what I want.
1: So if so. – but see, so if they – here's the thing though. So maybe this is a peek inside the thinking of the mind of the powers that be of WWE. What if they're thinking, well, if we turn him heel and they reject him still, then we've wasted our time, Right. But, but here's the thing, though. I'm just asking. I'm trying to figure it yeah, out.
2: And, and that, that could very well be true. Um, here's the thing, though, is that if that's the case, WWE has gone through this with other stars in the past, guys that they've tried to reinvent constantly. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Just because you've invested a ton of time and a ton of money into a guy doesn't mean that you can't cut the cord. It's happened to other talent. Why should Roman be the exception? He shouldn't be. Everybody everybody that's in this business works their ass off to get to the spot that they're at. So Roman has to prove his worth. And if it doesn't work, then WWE would have to cut the cord. I think eventually they're going to have to go that direction because they're going to have to find out. Because if their plan is to have Roman as their top guy or one of their top guys for the next decade or more, they're not going to be able – they can't sustain this with the crowd reactions he's getting now because – It's not like Cena was getting these crowd reactions in the first year or two of his run. It wasn't happening. Cena was on fire at that period of time. So this is very, very different. This is almost immediate rejection as soon as he comes out of the gate with the title. I think it's the biggest reason why they made the decision to have Seth cash in at WrestleMania the previous year and take the title instead of having Roman go over because they sensed then that the crowd wasn't ready to accept Roman. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I think, it's a, I think it's a great point, and it could be a window into WWE's decision-making, but I don't know. But I, I will say this. Eventually, they're going to have to go that direction, and if it doesn't work out, WWE's going to have to cut the
1: cord. And just get rid of him? Not get rid of him, but but be, as, a, as a top guy, it's probably not going to work. You know, they've, they've gotten rid of top guys, though, in the past. Like, I mean, we talked about Sheamus, right? Sheamus was a top guy, mm-hmm. right? Sheamus worked in WrestleMania as Triple H. He was working WrestleMania with Daniel Bryan and winning the world titles, and now you know I don't even know if he's. I haven't seen. I have really been paying attention to the show, so I don't even know if he's on the show. Um, Sheamus, yeah,
2: uh, he's doing this gimmick right now where he's beating up the new generation guys.
1: Well, that's fine. Yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, me too. Um, but uh, but Sheamus was a guy who's kicked down the rung, but I but I was okay with Sheamus ge- being kicked down the rung, right? I could never see them kicking Roman down the, down the ladder. And him working for the IC title, you know what I mean? I don't see see that happening. So I don't think they just—I don't think they would cut the court. if if they couldn't figure out a way for him to work. They're going to leave him as he is.
2: Well, I mean that's an interesting point. I I I, I agree with you. I think they are going to leave him where he is. I mean, maybe not champion for life, but I think he'll always be in the upper yeah. echelon, uh, if not the top of the card, upper mid card. Certainly Orton esque. Where he's never going to drop below a certain level um, because they've just invested so much in him, and he's young and he's got the size and and, and he's good. Vince Vince loves. He's size. good as a wrestler and, and he's and he's a good worker.
1: And you know what though? That's another thing you brought up that I'd like to vent about <laughs> is people yeah. always are, are shitting on Vince because he because he likes big guys, right? Body guys, right? That's what everyone always says. Yeah, oh, Vince Vince loves the big guys. He's big. He's big. I love him. But he does. But he does. But you know what? So do I, and I'll tell you why. Of course. If, if, I, I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> if I see a guy who looks just like me in build, skinny dude, and is five foot four, how am I supposed to think that this guy is, it, can beat somebody up? Because I'm going to be like, I can't beat anybody. I'm just like, no, he can't. You know what I mean? He, you can flip and dip and flip-flop all around. But at some point, there needs to be a feeling of legitimacy. When I see Brock Lesnar, I'm like, that's a scary motherfucker. Well, I, you know, here's the thing, though, is
2: I think that I, – I, I, your point is is taken, but I think there's a place in this business today, especially with the rise of popularity in mixed martial arts and UFC and a guy like Conor McGregor, um, where you can have both. Which is why, you know, I've yeah. argued before have weight classes in WWE, but that seems like such a, a foreign idea, even though UFC
1: has it and UFC is extremely but popular. I, I don't think it would work in WWE, weight classes, but continue. We'll talk about it in a second.
2: Well, I mean, and that, that's just my, my, my point is, yeah. is that that allows you to have guys at those different levels, and then you, you're you able to compartmentalize them. So we don't get something like, for example, once in a while, a nice David versus Goliath battle is okay. It's nice. But I don't want to see Ray Mysterio Jr. wrestling Brock Lesnar. It's silly. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see Rey Mysterio Jr. walking around with the world heavyweight championship. Mm -hmm. That is silly. It's ridiculous. And things like that have occurred in WWE in the past, and I think that hurts the product because there still has to be a little bit of legitimacy and kayfabe that exists
1: in order for the product to work. Like I think high flyers and the smaller guy—I I mean, I love that. I mean, I do. I love that. But what, what, what I'm thinking when I think Vince likes big guys, we're thinking about main event scene, right? Yeah, he wants people who are big in the main event scene, right? And when we talked about it on on on, on Yodem the other day of like who's got to go Hogan, you know, Rock or Austin, right? All three of those guys, legitimate main eventers for life, and they're all bigger guys. Mm-hmm. They look good. When you see them, you're like – even when you see them in the airport, you're like, man, that, he's got to be somebody. He's got to be a wrestler or something. And, and I don't want to knock him because I know people are probably going to jump on me for it. But if you see someone like a, a Sami Zayn or a Kevin Owens, you're not going to think right off the bat, oh, that's a wrestler. You know, and someone tells you actually they wrestle, and then you might see them. And you're like, oh, okay, that's they, they're athletic. I like what well, they but, do. But, but then but, they but then they deliver
2: the type of performance that Gene no,
1: Snitsky never could. You know, so oh, yeah, I know. Oh, well, yeah, I know. And, and Gene Snitsky, I mean, that I mean. And that's the
2: and that and that's that.
1: But, that's but, an okay but, example. But that's a body guy. That, that's an okay example. You yeah. know,
2: but I, and, you know, and that's and. But actually, then I
1: look at the main event guys, right? We, when we talk about the biggest guys in the history of the business, only a handful of them are under six foot three. Right? Only a handful of them are under two hundred and fifty pounds. You know what I mean? When we think about the the biggest stars in the company, you think about the Hogan, Macho Man, ooh yeah. You think about John Cena, Rock, Austin, Undertaker, Kane, even McFoley to a certain extent, who might not have been a body guy, but he's a bigger guy, right? He's three hundred pounder. You might think maybe maybe that big dude can beat somebody up, you know what I mean? Um, So when you think about the main event, main eventers of all, Triple H, right? Triple H is another I mean, another guy. I don't know how I forgot him. They're bigger guys. Batista, bigger guy. But then every now and then you'll have a guy like a a Shawn Michaels who's smaller, weighs a little bit less, but can still get over in a main event capacity. But then I go back again. If you look at uh, WCW days, you think Sting. You think Nash. You think Razor. You think DDP. You think Goldberg. You think about these guys who look... Like they are these huge, larger than life supermen, and that's the appeal of of wrestling is a balance on the on the earlier matches of the smaller cruiserweight, high flying stuff. Because I, I mean, everyone does love that because it's something to marvel at. But when you get to the heavyweight, sometimes you want somebody who looks like they can beat anybody in the arena up, right? And that's why I think Brock's a great example or Cena's a great example. Well,
2: yeah, it's one of the things that makes Brock a special attraction. Yeah. Is but He's, even, he's but such even, a freakish athlete with his size.
1: Yeah, but even think about guys like with the big show, Andre the Giant, right? These are big guys who might be limited in what they could do, Andre especially. Um, but they were draws because you're like, wow, look at the size of that guy. Wow. I believe everything that he's doing right now because of his size. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think the criticism of Vince McMahon – only liking body guys in the main event scene, I think. I think that I see why he likes that because I think it makes his product more believable than having Rey Mysterio as the world champion.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it makes it more believable, but I will say that it draws more eyeballs to the product. It it, it, pre, it presents this this shock factor, which is especially when you see some of these. If you, if if any of you listening have ever seen the big show in person. Holy moly. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, it it really I mean, or, or, you know, even a guy like Mark Henry, like, you know, Brad and I have told this story in the past, like when we met Mark Henry at a reality of wrestling show once Mark shook my hand and he he legit broke my hand (laughs) from shaking my hand. My hand popped. It was swollen. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't make a fist for about four months after that. Because he broke my fucking hand. <laughs> yeah. Because that's how big the guy's hand is, and he was so strong that he didn't even realize how strong he, he was. was. And um, so, yeah, that does add um, uh, this this appeal, which is what has made WWE so much money.
1: And, like, an- money. another one's Cesaro. Like, Cesaro, like, when I see what he does, right, when he just can lift somebody and you see his muscles ripple, and he's just throwing people and yeah. manhandling them, you're like, wow, that's <laughs> incredible. Like, yeah. it is. You're like, that's incredible. And then, and I guess my point is, and I don't want to f- feel like I'm knocking him because I love Sammy and Kevin. They're just the guys I'm thinking of right now, is if I were to see the big show, just looking at him, you're like, he didn't even have to, like, before he even wrestles, you just see him, and you're like, holy shit, right? And if you see Kevin Owens, you're like, all right, whose who's dad is that? <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but then when he wrestles, when he wrestles, you get engaged. But what I'm saying is I see the, why Vince wants bigger, muscular athletes at the top or upper tier of his roster because you're like, man, I believe that.
2: Yeah, and and, and that's a philosophy that it'll be interesting to see whether it changes or not as as Vince gets older and – I am sure Vince will not phase out but you know until somebody else takes over. Mm-hmm. Um because you are, we are we are seeing, you know, we talked about Finn Balor and spent some time on him. We are seeing athletes like that in the Sami Zayn's of the world. Um even uh, the Nevilles for that matter. Or the AJ's, you know, or the AJ Styles that that are like there's certain a, guys a who can role who in can WWE do it. Now. You
1: know what I mean? But like I just don't know. Like I don't know how I'd feel when when I'm I don't know, maybe it's just me. Cause here's the thing. This is weird, and I, I don't know if I have ever told anyone this. When someone's taller than me, even by an inch, it, just in real life, when someone's taller than me, I automatically look up to them. Like they they have more respect. I don't know why. I'm intimidated slightly by them. I'm I'm being serious. When someone's taller than me, I feel weird. Like I, I feel like okay, you keep growing your hair out. Yeah, exactly. But like I'm like okay, they're like you know, I I give them more respect just in innately. I don't I can't explain it. So maybe I would feel – maybe this is a personal thing, but I would feel weird if I'm like a foot taller than both the guys in the heavyweight title fight. I'd feel weird.
2: All right. Well, interesting discussion.
1: I'm just saying. Yeah. well uh, we're going we're gonna
2: to move on uh, to a couple of Twitter questions that we got this week on the show. Uh, we uh, don't have time to get to all of them, but I'm going to pick out two of the best. And thank you to everybody for listening to the show and being interactive. The first comes from a guy that we're both familiar with, Brad Gilmore. Oh, yeah? Prateek Gupta, uh-oh, Gupti. our old friend at Pratt G sixty-three on Twitter, he asks which rivalry is more hot on the main roster in your opinion: Cena versus Styles, Rollins versus Reigns, or Breezango versus Golden Truth? Well, Pratik, well, well I come think on for, for, you
1: know, process of elimination, Breezango and, and and Golden Truth, of course. No, um. Uh, it's definitely Cena and AJ by leaps and bounds. Agreed. Like, by leaps and bounds. By leaps and bounds. And it's it's great and refreshing to see, though, the crowd, I feel, finally accepting John Cena. I feel like we're in an era of acceptance for Cena.
2: Or don't you feel? This is the era of acceptance? This is
1: the era of acceptance <laughs> for John Cena.
2: I agree, and it's much deserved. Um, And, and I, I think this is the perfect way to do it, having Cena battle AJ with the club uh, flanking him, uh, a heel AJ Styles is a very underrated heel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen him work like this in Japan, and he it, it, it it's it's really good. I saw him as
1: a heel in TNA, and I'll be honest, I didn't think he was good. But this is good. I like what well, he did. He, well, again, you saw him as a heel in TNA. Well, there was a run in TNA where TNA was. Well, I'm, I'm be honest, and there are fans who are probably listening who agree with me. There was, a, there was a run in TNA where it was actually really good stuff. Yeah. Like TNA was actually really good. Yeah. Like I preferred watching it over WWE.
2: Was that when uh, when we got heel Tony Schiavone? Or not no. Tony Schiavone? Was what he, the hell was he is he a heel? No, I think he. Yeah, no, was he, he did. The, was he, he in TNA for for a brief minute? I think, and he went he went heel. It was weird. I don't remember that at all. Anyway, well, neither well, most
1: people don't. I, I do because of YouTube. <laughs> Let me ask. Can I ask you? Something? Yeah. Uh, this is going to get off of the subject. You think AJ and Cena as well, right? Yeah, okay. of course. So, if TNA hypothetically, by some crazy sequence of events, went out of business, let's just say, let's just say that was a possibility. Well, that's not going to happen. Let's just say that's a possibility. Would WWE have any interest in buying their video library?
2: I mean, I think for pennies on the dollar. I mean, because TNA has such a stigma attached to the name right now that I don't know that it would be
1: that would be valuable to be to be fair. You're saying if they bought all their pay per views, all their TVs, and they put them on the network, all the TNA pay per views. No one would? I'm sure people would watch. I mean, I would just, it be worth it? Would it, Would you think it would draw any extra subscribers? Do you think they could make their money on it? I
2: don't think it would draw any extra subscribers because TNA is not drawing any television ratings now as it is with, with, with new programming every week. Uh, and they've always struggled to do that. I mean I'm sorry, and I know there are probably some TNA fans that are listening and they're going to get hot at me for this. But if TNA was drawing eyeballs to their product to begin with, they wouldn't be – skipping from one network to another trying to find a place. You don't see that happening to WWE. It's because WWE is still drawing eyeballs to their product. Now, they're not drawing the numbers they did in the mid to late 90s, but they're still drawing uh, high enough numbers that the USA Network and NBC Universal is saying, we want more live content of yours, not less. I mean, they're going to be presenting five hours of live content now on the USA Network weekly. I mean, do the math. That's 20 hours a month of live content WWE is going to be providing. They wouldn't be asking for that if they didn't have viewers. It's exactly the opposite with TNA. So I think from a historical perspective, listen, if a couple of things happen. Number one, if WWE was able to acquire the library for relatively cheap, then I think they would do it because of the historical perspective. Because as you said, there was a run in TNA, and there were some pay-per-views where you could see guys like Booker T, for example, um, on there. And at Kurt their, Angle
1: versus Samoa Joe.
2: Right, and, and there are people that would want to see that, especially folks that maybe didn't see it in the past because they weren't going to spend money on a TNA pay-per-view. Yeah, the last which decade I, of Sting's career. Which I do not blame them. Um, the last decade of Sting's career, yeah. So there's this whole – missing piece of wrestling history of a lot of these guys that you wish you would have seen in wwe like sting but you didn't get to see him when he was still in his prime or still had something really to offer and you can go back and relive all this stuff but i think the price would have to be right and i really don't think it's something that from an ego perspective vince would jump all over yeah and the, I, think the pro- I think i think the price would have to be right it was just the price yeah yeah so, so but if
1: but if the if the right deal was on the table he would probably buy it. I think so.
2: I mean, he, he's acquired other libraries mm-hmm. uh, from small territories, and they've been sitting in the vault waiting to be released. Yeah. you know, So anything's possible, I think. Uh, our next question comes from Steven Sutton at SJSutton5150 on Twitter. This is a good question, Steven. Thanks for the question. He says, with the brand split on the horizon, is there a chance anyone coming up from NXT
1: will get lost in the pack? What do you think about that? You know, I'm still waiting to see because NXT is going to be the biggest story, I think, coming out of the brand split. What happens to NXT? Mm -hmm. Are they going to have mass call-ups, call-ups in mass? I think that's what everyone's operating under the assumption of, but I think maybe it might only be a couple. I don't know. I haven't really figured it out yet, figured out the plan because they're still doing SummerSlam takeover at at Barclays, Mm -hmm. right? So a uh, takeover bro- Brooklyn, I should say, SummerSlam weekend. So it's the Barclays Center, right? They're still going to need guys. But uh, but if, you're, if let's just say you're calling up Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Shinsuke Nakamura. None of those guys are getting lost in the shuffle. But if you're calling up guys like Austin Aries, even maybe Bobby Roode, if Eric Young comes up, there's major potential for them to get lost in the shuffle. So I think it just depends on who is getting called up because Finn, Samoa, Shinsuke Nakamura, not going anywhere. They're going to be predominantly featured, never lost in the shuffle.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think guys like Austin Aries, for example, who by the way, had a great match at NXT takeover the end with Shinsuke Nakamura. I think guys like that will get lost in Mm -hmm. the shuffle if they get, if they get called up to the main roster, but I don't see Austin Aries getting called up to the main roster anytime soon. Um, I don't know where where he would fit in on the main roster at this point. I, I still think he's trying to find his sea legs in NXT. That matchup he had with Nakamura was the first time that I thought we actually got to see Austin Aries putting on his best performance, a performance that he really could be proud of um, from this past Wednesday. So I think there's still going to be uh, an amount of time. I think some people underestimate the depth that exists. Uh, in WWE, especially in NXT. I know we've talked a lot over the last few months about injuries and about where guys are going to come from and all this stuff, but WWE has always found a way to plug the holes, and they've even kept guys like Finn Balor on the NXT roster without calling them up because Triple H actually said this in an investor call some months ago. He said the reason why they haven't called up guys like a Finn Balor yet is because he didn't want to use them as a Band-Aid. He wanted to wait until they had an actual program in place because they want to bring guys like that up with the appropriate build and and make it a big deal, you know, the way that they made it a big deal when AJ came in, uh, and I appreciate that, and I think wrestling fans appreciate that as well. So even with some of the call-ups, and I think there will be some because I, I, I'm under the assumption that SmackDown's going to be a – sort of a younger, hipper brand, the way that it was last time. I could be wrong about that.
1: Yeah, that's, I think, just what everyone's assuming.
2: That's uh, what everyone's assuming. So yeah. we, we're all assuming these things, and, and who knows what may happen. But I think in order for WWE to fill five hours of live television a week, there there is a good portion of people that will have to be called up from the NXT roster, but there are 60 to 70 other people down at Full Sail um, and at the training facility that are uh, you know either actively on the NXT roster right now, but not predominantly featured, or are training to get onto that roster, and those people are going to come up, and they're going to do exactly what the folks before them did, and I think WWE is going to be fine. So naturally, some people will be lost in the shuffle, but I think overall, NXT will survive, and it will be okay. And I don't, I don't see any major changes, really, to the brand at all. I think NXT serves its purpose and will continue to serve its purpose. It is a developmental brand. It's had a nice run where people like, like myself have been able to ask the question, is it still a developmental brand? But at the end of the day, it is because many of their stars will be called up to be a part of this, uh, this brand split. So uh, thank you to everybody for the questions this week.
1: I know Where's there you? are people listening to this show today who are pulling out their hair at things I was saying. Well, that's fine. They're pulling it's out okay their hair. It's okay to have hair. a differing opinion. It's okay. You know. It's okay to have a uh you know it's okay to have a differing opinion, especially when the other opinion doesn't matter. We gotta get out of here. Before we
2: do, what do you what do you have to plug? This is the cheap plug segment of the show.
1: Uh heated conversations with Booker T and myself. You can get it on iTunes, uh Sports Radio six ten if you're here in Houston. And uh, you know, your opinion doesn't matter. Five days a week, Matt Polsky.
2: Yeah, at opinionpodcast.com. Thanks, as always, to Gags for the platform. Uh, Mo will be back on the show here in the next few weeks, so we have a couple of uh, interesting guest hosts to come up. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. We'll see you next week right here on PWI.